This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral today, Friday before Memorial Day, uh, right here in the belly of the beast. I can't tell you how pleased I am uh, to have a guest with me today who was my top bureaucrat. I I use the term in all the best sense of the word. Um, In the Trump White House, uh, he's written a book called You Report to Me. And what it should say here, based on his conversation with the president himself, the cover should have said, you report to me with a quote, Donald Trump, because that's the story behind the story that I'm going to have him tell, not me. But the story I want to tell quickly about David Bernhout, he was the Secretary of Interior. And uh, the way I met David was um, one day it came to my attention that there were Chinese communist drones that the Interior Department was was buying and deploying uh, for interior use. No, and I knew full well that the data that would fly through those drones could likely wind up in communist Chinese hands. So they're basically mapping our territory. And so I called up the Secretary of Interior um, from the White House and said, "Hey, uh, here's what's going on. Can we bring those down?" And um, Eight hours later, eight hours later. And so when I talk about my expression in Trump time, which was the title of my first White House memoir, uh, get it done as quickly as possible. I always use uh, David Bernhardt. So um, you report to me, David Bernhardt. Welcome to the war room, sir. Uh, Steve Bannon was actually trying to get you for over a month because he actually paid for you report to me. We didn't get a free one, but somehow your publicist, uh, you know, whatever. But you called me. We were here with me. Tell us about the book, David. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm thrilled to be here. That was a heck of a introduction. And and bottom line of this book is it highlights the reality that with a little leadership and clear direction, consistent direction from a president, you can get a lot done. And, um, and the fact of the matter is that it takes a lot of effort to move these agencies, and it's, um, it's, it's work. But at the end of the day, we can get people to understand that every one of us uh, that has ever worked in government ultimately reports to the American people. I mean, this could have been called uh, moving the deep state. I mean, like you speak from vast experience because you actually served with President uh, George W. Bush for many years. Um, you love Donald Trump, uh, not just as, as, as a man for the person he is, but for how he moved mountains uh, in agencies. Can you give us a little contrast 
between the, the Bush bureaucracy below the president and what you encountered in Trump land? Yeah, absolutely. And we really go, I really go into that in the book. And the, and the fact of the matter is that in the, in the, and this will be a great, uh, uh, particularly enlightening example. In the George W. Bush administration, you had some folks who didn't want, um, weren't, weren't interested in helping with the agenda. And what that meant is that they would uh, delay things. Maybe they wouldn't be involved. But um, you could go around them, and you could find uh, sufficient folks to always get the job done. There was never a question about ultimately driving forward with the mission. Um, in the Trump administration, my experience was really right from the day after the election. What you saw was a series of um, articles, um, announcements of, quote, resistance, um, efforts to resist from day one. And I think it became um, socially acceptable within the civil service for a much larger percentage of folks to be willing to actually affirmatively resist the policies of the new president. And they did that through a whole host of mechanisms that we lay out in the book. Now, the vast majority of civil servants, they just want to do their job and move forward. But there, this the number... You think that's true? Well, I think I, a lot are of... You, are you being kind? Because that wasn't, certainly wasn't I, my experience. I, 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 I think, what I, my experience was these people... Yeah, you get in there, they work their way up the chain, they feel entitled, and they, they figure that they're smarter than whoever sits there and that they're going to make the decisions and shape policy. That was my experience. Well, I think that the experience that you just laid out is the experience of the folks at the most senior levels of the civil service. Yeah. There's a lot of folks every day that, particularly at an agency like the Department of the Interior, where you do stuff on the ground, you're cutting trees, you're, 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 you're um, in managing roads. I mean, you're doing stuff that really requires um, effort and productivity and outcome. The higher you go, it's interesting, and we lay this out and you report to me, the higher you go in the administration, the more in government, the more and more partisan uh, it becomes generally the civil service is about um, two Democrats to every Republican. Yes. Uh, as you get to the <laughs> yeah. as you get to the senior yeah. senior executive service, it's yeah. three to one, and so you have an even higher degree of policy proclivity um, at those highest levels. And those were the people, you know, when you're in the White House, those are the yeah. levels of government you're working with. The, the biggest, uh, the biggest deep stater, I think, that, that afflicted us in the Trump administration, hands down, uh, at least in the last year, was Fauci. But, but, I think the second most damaging person in the healthcare bureaucracy was this woman named Deborah Burks, who was in the West Wing. And you use her kind of as the poster girl for um, how the deep state um, works around. Can you, you tell that story for us? Absolutely. And this was stunning to me, Peter. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, this gal wrote a book after she left um, after she left government. And in her book, she describes what she calls a workaround. And in the what she called a workaround was essentially she would write a document that was going to go out to the public related uh, to the stuff that she was working on. She would send it up to be reviewed through various levels, just like anyone else would do. 
and um, she would get comments back. Yeah. And those comments back um, were things that maybe she liked, maybe she didn't. And she would make the changes <laughs> in some places, yeah. but then reinsert her views in other places and send it back through the process um, as, quote, a workaround. Now, in the real world where most people work, that would be blatant uh, insubordination. It, was, it wasn't caught, which is on the folks that were reviewing, to be fair. But um, more importantly, she wrote a book explaining how awesome it was she did it. Yes. And that, to me, epitomizes just how far we've gotten from an understanding that, hey, policymakers um, are there because a person was elected to the presidency. And the policymakers sh- define what the policy is. They don't define what the law is, and they don't define what the facts are. But to the extent there's policy discretion, that discretion rests yeah. with the representatives of the elected and official. You're, you're, just, you're just the political appointee, and you'll be gone in a few That's years, right. and, and they'll have their friendlies back in. This is the, this is the worst side of the deep state. Um, tell a story. I, I love this story about, hey, <laughs> buy this book. You report to me. Bannon loves this book. He, the fact that he actually shelled out his own money for you tells it. But, but what, is it, what does this mean? Why is this title so, so important, um, both uh, uh, to what you experienced and also to 2024 in the presidential race? So I, I used... I, came up with this title for two reasons. First off, obviously, everybody in government reports to the American people, so they all report to you and me. But more importantly, uh, for the specific title, um, it comes from my first conversation um, about serving as secretary. Uh, you, were, you were, to set the stage, you were solicitor, you, you were the deputy, the second in command at Interior to the Secretary Ryan Zinke, who got in trouble for various indiscretions, uh, and what happens next? So uh, there's there's a question. Ryan's Ryan's resigning, um, and I, I Secretary Zinke's resigning, and I'm asked to come over to the Oval Office. And to be very fair, I'm very nervous about this meeting because it's the first time I've ever been summoned to the Oval Office individually. You worked at the White House, so like that's a daily occurrence for you. For the Deputy Secretary of the Interior, that's a big deal. <laughs> so I walk over yeah. there, and I don't know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. I have no idea if this is going to be a good meeting or a bad meeting. Um, I'm not very comfortable with the situation. And I walk into the Oval Office, and you know, you, you, you go through this threshold, and you walk over to the Resolute Desk, and the President's sitting at this big desk, and man, I must have been sweating bullets. So I sit down, and here's what's amazing about President Trump, uh, one of many things. I sit down, and it's clear, I think, to him that I'm not very comfortable. And here's the President of the United States, and he spends five or ten minutes just talking to me, getting my blood pressure down yeah. before we have a conversation, yeah. which said I said a lot to me about the man, um, you know, the individual, um, just just how pull, how nice that was to an employee that was very uncomfortable. And we talk about the job. Um, we talk a little bit about the situation. We talk about his priorities in interior. And he basically tells me, look, you're going to be running this place for a while, this Department of the Interior. And so I say to him, 
well, sir, uh, can you tell me who I report to? And he looks at me and says, what do you mean? You report to me. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, the Constitution, I, sir, I understand what the Constitution says, but who do I really report to? Like, I got to get my work done. You report to me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I thought that was unlikely because I served in the, in the Bush administration um, and it had taken, I had seen examples where it literally took months to have a conversation between the secretary and the president because of the, the, the processes of the White House staff. And so I, I left the department, or sorry, I left the White House, went back to the department, and a few days later I had to make a decision that I knew was going to be controversial and the White House would read about it, and I couldn't surprise them. So I didn't know what to do. I picked up the phone and called the president's secretary because I figured she could bail me out. Like she would know the right person to talk to. And um, I called her. Her name was Molly. I said, hey, Molly, this is the junior varsity quarterback in interior. I'm the temp. Um, I am going to make a decision. It's going to make some news. I need to talk to somebody. Who do I talk to? And she laughed and said, the president will call you right back. And um, I thought, sure. And I hung up the phone. At about 20 minutes, the president calls, and I explain this in the book. And here's the amazing thing about President Trump. This just blew my mind. I pick up the phone. I, I tell him, uh, number one, what I'm doing. And I'd taken over during the government shutdown. I was going to reopen the, some of the federal par national parks. And, um, and in doing this, his first statement to me was, the shutdown's been going on a while. Why did you take so long to do this? And I said, um, well, and I explained it. And then I said, he, then I, he said, this is going to be controversial. And I said, yes, sir. And here's the amazing thing about President Trump. He says, um, David, if it's going to be controversial and you're the new guy, maybe you should say that I directed you to do it, which is exactly the opposite <laughs> Any politician yes, in America yes, would want to yes, do. Yes, yes. And then he said, and this was really important to me, he says, um, David, you're running the Department of the Interior. Make decisions you need to make and get going with them. <laughs> he hit his mark. Isn't that cool? We got 27 seconds to the break and he, he hit his mark. That, that, is, that is another reason why I love David Bernhardt, former Secretary of Interior. In my book, literally, I wrote Future Secretary of Interior under Trump. You report to me. We'll be right back. He's going to tell us what to do in terms of cleaning up the deep state. No one knows better than David Bernhardt. Navarro here for Bannon. We'll see you in a second. President Trump recently issued a warning from his home at Mar-a-Lago. And I want to quote this. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be the greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. He did that in the interview that I had with him a couple of weeks ago at his home. Now, there are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That would be gold. Gold has been a hedge against chaos from time immemorial. And you can own it 
in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Let me repeat that. Birch Gold professionals will hold your hand through this entire process. Now think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. It always has been. How much more time does the dollar actually have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Bannon to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Text again, Bannon, to 989898. Remember, the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket to get this information and start the process. Do it today. Take action. Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Peter Navarro in for the Admiral. I'm with... uh, David Bernhardt, former Secretary of the Interior, wrote a wonderful book, You Report to Me. Um, we're going to go right back to him. I just want to, I buried the lead yesterday when Steve and I uh, were talking, and I mentioned my Substack. It's peternavar.substack.com, peternavar.substack.com. One thing I want to tell you, uh, besides the fact that if you pay for a subscription, it's a modest sum, um, it will help my legal defense fund, but everyone who is a paid subscriber, gets an autographed copy of my Taking Back Trump's America book. And by the way, in the chapter on cabinet appointees who I recommend for Trump um, come January 2025, this guy is one of the few survivors that I recommended highly. So, um, David, you report to me, um, you know, I, I looked at this. And I said, you know, this is a great title, but the the cover sucks. I thought it sucked just because they didn't have any graphics or colors or anything like that. But but the president Trump had a very different take. Dad, tell us a little bit about your trip to Mar-a-Lago uh, to give him this book, uh, and and then um, the the page one fifteen on, which is what the posse is here today for to listen to, because this is your solution to blowing up the deep state. Well, first off, you're absolutely right. Um, I met with the president. Uh, I actually think the cover's great, by the way. I'm really excited <laughs> about the cover. And I think uh, the title you report to me uh, was fantastic. I uh, love the name of it, yes. And um, the president looked at, President Trump looked at this book, and his first question was, is this my quote? And I said, actually, yeah, it could be, it is your quote. And he said, oh, David, you would do so much better with this book if you would put quotations uh, on the book and then put uh, Donald J. Trump. He said, you'd sell a lot more books. (laughs) And I said, well, you know, sir, I I wrote this book uh, for the American people and for you. And if if you'll just take and and have everybody that 
that you deal with, Reed, from page 115 forward, uh, we can have a much better outcome uh, going forward for America. Now, 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 don't bury the lead. You also told him you didn't care about how many books you sold. And what did he say? He said, he said selling books is really freaking important. So. <laughs> he wanted a picture on there, too, right? He did, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. said, you know, if you're not going to go with the quote, you ought to go okay. with the picture, and right. you really ought to change the cover. So, right. so 115 on, um, what's that all about? What, this is a very serious matter. My experience... Um, with the deep state, and I had really extensive experience in, in um, the various uh, skiffs where we would meet for these PC right. processes, PCC processes, um, which is like insane. It's like I always thought that uh, before I went into the White House that, that the, the purpose of the bureaucracy was to implement policy the way the president wanted. And the PCC process that Bush put in, Basically, turns that upside down where everything's got to bubble up from the bottom of the bureaucrats. But but how do you how do you get rid of the bad seeds here? How do you make sure that these people are being paid on the taxpayer's dime, obey the wishes of the chief executive? Well, I think first off, you have to have a strong chief executive, a chief executive that has a clear and consistent message to his appointees. Number two which is something you spend a lot of time talking about, is you got to get the right people in these agencies yes. as your appointees. And the people that you put in need to be the people that have the courage and the competency to make decisions themselves um, with the assistance of the uh, career civil servants that you need. You were on the transition for the for the first term. I mean, how hard is it find those, those kind of people? And yeah, you know, let's be honest. How hard is it going to be find the next time around? Like everybody I know is is either a target of the injustice department or or you know like going to grand jury. I mean they they harass you. How hard it is to find people so, that are willing to be the loyal to the agenda of a president like Donald Trump. Well, so I think first off, the people exist. At Interior, we had a very good team, uh, a core group of team that, that worked on the transition, worked on the beachhead, yeah. worked all the way through, okay? Yeah. So we were all on the same page, number one. So they're findable. Yes. But not, but that was in 20, uh, you know, 16, early 2017. Yeah. I think there's an entire core of those people this time around, a much bigger core. You're confident. Because, because there's a lot of folks that were younger political appointees that served in the Trump administration. Okay. And here's what they learned, things that I didn't learn in the George W. Bush administration. They learned how to get stuff done. Mm. They learned how to work for a leader that was consistent. And they learned how to go. And so I think you have this uh, entire cadre of folks that served as Schedule C's, and uh, which is a, the more junior political appointee that I initially was, that served as like deputy assistant secretaries. Yeah. You have a whole group of people that can go back on day one and hit the ship. So number one, that's fantastic. And, and, and the next administration is better positioned because of it. So, so you got a strong executive, you got find the right people, what's right. next? And then, and then really what you have to do is I believe you have to move forward with some of the initiatives the president drove uh, to rein in uh, unions and do some creative things with the civil service. 
um, in terms of like Schedule F was something that was very. What, what does uh, that mean? It basically was going to recategorize some of the um, positions within the civil service. I mean, you so can't it was fire either. these people or move them very so, easily, right? So you, you, depending on their position. Yeah. Um, the other thing is a lot of the you can't uh, hold people accountable is is self-inflicted within the agencies. It's the agency's own um, guidance and directives have made it harder than it really is, and that underbrush needs to be cleared out. Can you do that? You can do some accountability. Firing is all, it involves a series of appeals, and, and, and we need to look at farther reforms like you know moving to a more at-will environment. What I, what I highlight in the book is employees, except for veterans, were at-will until the 60s. Tell the sixties. So, is this a legislative thing that you that, have to that do? would that would be a legislative thing? You but can't 90, do it by executive But ninety percent of it can be done administratively and should be done administratively. So in like terms what? Of, well, if I'm writing an executive order, can should Trump do it by executive order? What would that? I absolutely, I absolutely think he should basically ask every secretary to maximize their um, utilization of accountability factors and that they should go through their own agency and get rid of their own self-inflicted um, policies that they've put in place that add unnecessary process. There's a lot of unnecessary process that has burdened these agencies from accountability. But more importantly, if policymakers will just say, I'm the one making the decision, I'm the one making significant decisions. I'm going to own the decision. I'm going to be held accountable yeah. for it. Yeah. And I want your input, civil servant. I want your input. I want to know the facts and the law, but I'm going to own the decision. You can move things much, much more quickly. And you need to, you know, as a leader, you have to be willing to be held accountable. Much of the inertia in the bureaucracy is because the senior leaders in the government yeah. don't actually want to be accountable for anything. And so they basically um, hope that somebody else will make the decision. If you look at the law, for the, the law that, that established the duties of the Secretary of the Interior, it uses the term, the Secretary shall supervise all functions of the Department of the Interior. I've always thought that that was a wonderful term because supervise is active. It's not just I'm going to go show up at a at a ribbon yeah. cutting, yeah. but I'm I need to be active, and it's an element of accountability, and um, that accountability is is what people need to be res be respectful of and be responsible. Governing is serious. We need serious people to go into these jobs, and we need them to say, "Hey, give me the ball. I'll make the decision." What about this uh, this PCC process that, that just drove me nuts? Again, for for the posse here, it's like if if, if you wanted to do like an executive order, it had to go out to low level bureaucrats across the relevant agencies for comment, work its way up the chain to the secretary level, and then back to the president. And my view was, <laughs> screw that. It's like no, the boss wants this done. It goes to the agencies. You tell us how to do it. You don't mess with the policy, but that's not the way that, that the, the, the lame chiefs of staff we had. And we, we, do you have to do that process? Of course not. Not. You don't, that, that, right? That is all. Um, that, that, it, at the end of the day, that's, that's the, the leaders of these agencies and OMB saying, here's the level of review we want. And it really is about yeah. 
everybody's authority, all of the authority and law for the Department of the Interior rests with the secretary. And then the secretary has delegated it down. And in in the book, you report to me, I highlight that the delegations down have caused a lot of challenges because it moves things farther and farther down. And there's no, you know, ultimately, when I was solicitor, I would have assistant secretaries and policymakers, they were desperate for me to tell them they didn't have authority. Because if I said, you only have one choice, they wouldn't have to choose. And they wanted to be able to tell their, um, they wanted to be able to tell a constituency, look, my hands were tied. Yeah. I had no choice. Yeah. Instead of, I wanted to make this decision or that one. Strong leadership. All right, Posse, uh, let's move the needle today on Amazon. You report to me this is the best book you will read about cleaning up the deep state. Um, so honored to be with former secretary and future secretary of the interior, David Pernard, although he doesn't want to jinx anything. Um, do you have any social media or anything like that? I'm on uh, Truth. I'm on uh, all, right, let's hear all of those Go great things. What's, so. your, what's your handle, brother? Uh, at David Bernhardt. At David Bernhardt. All right. Last, last words, anything? Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Steve Bannon did more for moving the ball than anybody can imagine. It's true. When he got in there, he was a tornado. Action, action, action. When we come back. We're going to get an update on the weaponization of government out in the great state of Texas, which isn't looking so great today. David Bernhardt from the War Room, you are the man. We'll be right back, Posse. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly 250 grand. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. Stephen K. Bass. Good afternoon. Thank you all for coming. It's great to have you here in our office. By proceeding with this illegal impeachment scheme to overturn a decision made by Texas voters just a few short months ago, the corrupt politicians in the Texas House are demonstrating that blind loyalty to Speaker Dade Phelan is more important than upholding their oath of office. They are determined to ignore the law. 
They have denied me the opportunity to present the evidence which contradicts their politically motivated narrative, and they are showcasing their absolute contempt for the electoral process. Every politician who supports this deceitful impeachment attempt will inflict lasting damage on the credibility of the Texas House, which I served in. The House is poised to do exactly what Joe Biden has been hoping to accomplish since his first day in office, sabotage our work, my work, as Attorney General of Texas. Their plot imperils critical litigation my office has brought against the Biden administration to end the federal government's attacks on our constitutional rights and the rule of law. There is no other state in this country with so much influence over the fate of our nation. And this is solely because of the relentless challenges I bring against Biden's unconstitutional policy agenda. Under my leadership, our state has sued Biden nearly 50 times to end his unlawful, tyrannical policies. In fact, this week, while the Texas House was killing essential bills on crime and illegal immigration and plotting their illegal impeachment scheme in secret. It was business as usual for me. I was launching lawsuits against the Biden administration and predatory corporations. On Tuesday, I sued the Biden Department's Homeland Security to end this, you gotta get out of the his illegal use of CBP One app that brings more aliens into the country. On Wednesday, I announced a lawsuit against global hotel chain Hilton for violating Texas consumer protection laws. On Thursday, I sued Biden's IRS over his devastating new policy that will impair child support services in our state and across the nation, putting millions of children at risk. Then, I announced a an $85 million settlement that we secured with Volkswagen and Audi over their violations of Texas environmental laws. For us, it's pretty routine. As Attorney General, I'm leading dozens of urgent challenges against Biden's unlawful policies. My lawsuits threaten his destructive attempts to open the borders, obliterate our Second Amendment rights, and destroy our country with extremists tyrannical regulations. In addition to defending Texas from illegal federal policy, my office works night and day to solve cold cases, fight human trafficking, prosecute Medicaid fraud, and hold predatory corporations accountable when they harm the public. For this crucial work to continue, the political theater must come to an end. I'm grateful for the outpouring of support I've received from so many Texans who understand this process is unjust and unethical. The fact that I was prohibited from presenting evidence to defend myself reveals that this shameful process was curated from the start as an act of political retribution. This vote is expected to take place Saturday at 1 p.m. and I want to invite my fellow citizens and friends to peacefully come let their voices be heard at the Capitol tomorrow. Exercise your right to petition your government. Let's restore the power of this great state to the people instead of to the politicians. I hope the House makes the right decision, but if not, I look forward to a quick resolution of the Texas Senate 
where I truly believe the, the process will be fair and just. Oh, my, my. Here we go again. Uh, Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. You are here in the war room. And, yeah, here we go again. Like, let's think about this now. We've got um, a Republican in Texas who wants to secure the border down there and is fighting hard. Um, you've got a lot of Texas interests down there, corporate interests, who loves that cheap labor coming across. And you got the Biden regime. So there's that. Um, I remember Ken Paxson uh, was one of the few attorneys general in the country uh, when the November 2020 fraud, otherwise known as an election, uh, rolled around. Um, actually sued um, at the Supreme Court level to get a legal counting of the vote. So he had the, the chutzpah to do that. Um, he's fighting for Second Amendment rights. And here's what, this just frosts me. This guy literally got elected, just got elected, and he won by 12% over his nearest rival. And all of this allegations were out there for the voters to sift through. They, they're, they're baseless as far as I can see. And yet, uh, you've got the Uniparty in the Texas legislature uh, wanting to impeach this guy and like okay who else do i know that they tried to impeach who wanted to secure our borders and stood up uh for the american people rather than the corporate industry oh yeah donald trump oh they did it twice twice so we'll follow this one uh closely uh yeah who knows i, mean, I don't know maybe maybe there's evidence but they didn't allow him to present anything in his defense. And in this modern era of the corporate media, you're guilty until, uh, until the next election rolls around where they will try to bury you in, in mud. So let's see what happens. Um, we're going to try to get, get a hold of Paxson, um, uh, and get, get a few words out of him uh, for the posse. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, really chalk this one up uh, to the weaponization, yet another weaponization uh, of the judicial system of now the legislative branch in Texas uh, as a way to take out uh, political rivals. It's really kind of shameful the depths we're, uh, we're going to. Um, let's shift a little gears now. Uh, I want to talk um, debt ceiling and the, and the possible deal that might be coming up. If Cameron... Uh, can pull up, um, got a couple of clips for us. Um, Denver, let's run those and uh, let's see what we got here. And then and we'll uh, wax eloquent. Brilliant. He's energetic in any given day. Of course, he can be difficult about any given thing. I think we all acknowledge that. But Kevin McCarthy's stock is trading at a higher level today than it ever has. Mm. I think his conference understands that he's made good on his promises to open up the house and, and his a commitment to not waive the 72-hour rule, making sure the public and members have a chance to review this deal whenever it's done, is an example about how he is changing how the House works for the good. Do you think the White House underestimated him? 
I do think the White House has underestimated him every step along the way. And it's it is uh, it generates a little fatigue, I'll admit, among House Republicans. Oh, Kevin McCarthy will never be speaker. Well, he was. Oh, Kevin McCarthy will never get limit, save, grow done. Well, he has. Oh, Kevin McCarthy will never be able to pass bills off the floor week in and week out with such a, a tight margin. Well, we've never lost a single bill yet in five months on the House floor. So uh, all the White House does to Kevin McCarthy is underestimate him, and all Kevin McCarthy does is win. That's all fine by me. Get rid of this whole process. How, how do we get rid of it? How do we not have this, this crisis every two years where the entire country worries about us defaulting and heading and heading, plunging us into a recession and everyone losing their jobs? Yeah, look, after I left the White House, I co-wrote an op-ed with a top staffer, a for top, former top staffer, Senator McConnell. He had been my counterpart in the negotiations. And we said, just end the debt limit. Um, you could just flat out repeal it. You could raise it by four quadrillion dollars. There's bipartisan legislation in the House that would basically make it automatic, along with just even having a budget proposal. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. And no other country has anything like this. It really is just downside. There's no upside to this. I think really for ultimately for either party. Yeah, yeah Jason Furman, the old uh, Council of Economic Advisors for the Obama-Biden uh, regime back when uh, wanting to get rid of this uh, debt limit, which gives the only leverage you, the American people, have uh, to stop the reckless spending here in the swamp, uh, about an hour ago, I dropped uh, the Substack, PeterNoir.substack.com, and the, the feature basically is looking at um, what a deal might look like that McCarthy and Biden might cut. Um, and uh, I'm nervous, frankly, about the fact that Kevin's sticking around by himself uh, to negotiate something behind closed doors because – uh, the rumors that are coming out are suggestive of a convergence of a deal uh, that the posse won't like and the American people don't need. Um, here's um, here's what they're talking about. Uh, they're talking about, Steve and I talked about this yesterday a little bit. They're, they're, they're talking about like extending the clock in a way where the debt discussion uh, won't come up. Uh, before the presidential race um, is over. And uh, Steve and I both agree that this would be a really healthy debate to have uh, for this country as part of the presidential race. They're, they're, Steve says they're kicking the can down the road, number one. But number two, I don't think Kevin McCarthy truly understands uh, the bargaining power he has and what really needs to get done. I mean, if you think about it, what the Democrats have done over the last several years of the Biden regime is they passed a series of massive expenditure bills without any, any negotiation, conciliation, mediation from the Republican side. Essentially, they had majorities in the House with Pelosi and in the Senate with uh Kamala Harris is the VP with a tie-breaking vote. So they didn't have to do anything to accommodate the Republicans. And so the bills that they have passed are not only in, in terms of scale unprecedented 
and going to create uh, a massive deficit, the likes of which we haven't seen ever in our history. But there's disgusting features. Um, As Chip Roy pointed out in his letter yesterday, for example, well, American taxpayers are going to be, it's the full, you know, the Biden Green Program is the Full Employment Act for the Chinese Communists. Basically, workers there are going to make the EVs and, and, and Tesla plants and ship them back to us, and we're going to lose our jobs. There's that. Um, there's the IRS doubling in size, which is crazy. Um, and when we come back from the break, I'm going to explain what things should look like. But the point is that why the hell is Kevin McCarthy negotiating in a way which is significantly weakening their original demands? Hey, they went into it and say, hey, here's our demands. We know we're not going to get this. I, yeah, yeah, why start a negotiation like that? Um, we need spine. We need backbone. We need resolve. And when uh, we come back, Posse, um, I'll explain kind of what the economic stakes are involved. Peter K. Novaro in for Stephen K. Bannon. You are here in the war room. <laughs> I'll be back for the home uh, home stretch here. Stay with us. Peter Navarro. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. Junk science. That's what the doctor called many of those fruit and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce department fruits and vegetables with few health benefits. Now look, I take Field of Greens because it's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidney health. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. I don't eat as healthy as I should. I got that. I know it. I own it. That's why I take Field of Greens. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. And I mean way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next checkout checkup when your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Take action, action, action. Do that today. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Hello, I'm Steve Stern, CEO of Flagshirt.com, a third-generation, veteran-owned small business. I believe that the American way of life is for all of us. I'm asking you today to visit flagshirt.com. Help keep the American dream alive. Be a flag waver. Carry a nation's heritage. Use coupon code ACTION10 for 10% off site-wide and buy a flag shirt today. Action, action, action. Trump versus DeSantis. 
on taxes. In Congress, Ron DeSantis pushed a 23% national sales tax, where the middle class pays more. 90% of families would get a tax hike if DeSantis replaced the current system. President Trump cut taxes a lot, lowering tax rates for everyone. Trump cut taxes. DeSantis tried to raise them. Ron DeSantis, wrong on tax hikes, just not ready. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hey, Peter J. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, love those ads. Uh, Getter is the engine that really gets out a lot of the messages of the war room um, and our side of the fence. Um, Steve Stern, by the way, I met him down at the, the, the uh, Clay Clark, uh, Mike Flynn event down at, at Doral. He's, he's a beautiful human being. When you support flagshirt.com, you're actually helping to support a lot of his political outreach, which is going to help Trump in 2024. So you not only get good merchandise, uh, but you're also uh, helping the cause. Uh, and last but not least, um, I got to mention Mike Lindell, um, the armor piercing shell, as Steve likes to call him. See, here's the thing. It's like the deep state, the corporatists, the dark money, everybody's trying to, to crush Mike Lindell because he's telling the truth about the election. And, you know, the big box retailers are shutting him out. The beauty of Mike Lindell and my pillow is he makes really cool stuff and it's innovative stuff. The my pillow 2.0. I mean, how do you, how do you do a new innovation on pillows? He, he did it. So, um, go to mypillow.com, use the promo code war room and get whatever you can and buy some stuff for a friend. They obviously got the pillows. They got the Giza sheets. They got the slippers. I mean, it's just. It's fun to shop there. And uh, when you support MyPillow.com and Mike Lindell, uh, you are also supporting uh, Donald John Trump in the 2024 effort here that we really need to do. Um, we got a few minutes left um, in this week, uh, the week before Memorial Day. Um, I just look, Memorial Day is a very um, somber day, uh, always been for me and, and, and for this country. You know, we, we basically have to give great thanks um, to our veterans uh, who stand at the front lines um, and serve. And um, it particularly grieves me, having served in government and seeing now that the lives that people gave for our country are, are now juxtaposed against the kind of weaponization of our political institutions against patriots. Um, and that's got to stop. And, and what I've been doing is, is really working as hard as possible, um, in support of the Trump 2024 effort to try to get the message out. Um, this debt ceiling debate, uh, is going to be the most important thing that Congress does before the November 2020 presidential race. And it's going to have consequences for years to come. I'm urging Kevin McCarthy right now to do two things. One, to hold fast, to not give in, not take the first or second deal that's being offered because they're, they're, they're crappy deals. You are, you're holding a strong hand now. You need to play that out on behalf of the American people and the American taxpayers. And um, the reason you need to do that is not just because 
a lot of the Biden expenditures on green energy are going to ship jobs uh, to communist China. A lot of the Biden expenditures are going to double the size of the IRS to terrorize um, middle class families. A lot of the expenditures that Biden um, has done are going to force uh, black, brown and blue collar Americans to subsidize the luxury EVs, electric vehicles of uh, of the upper income Americans. And, and uh, to be honest with you, people on our side of the fence um, who are in upper income brackets, they don't want these subsidies. Not 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 at the cost that we're going to have. What what Kevin, if you're listening, brother, argue this on the economics. If you don't get the kind of cutbacks that Russ Vote has helped you craft, you're going to institutionalize stagflation, simultaneous recession and inflation for a decade. This is what's at stake. So when you argue this case to the American people. You need to argue this not just on all these other issues about jobs to China and IRS terrorism, uh, but but most importantly, that um, the Democrats say it's going to be a catastrophe. If you don't pass it, it's going to be a bigger economic catastrophe if you don't hold the line. So we need to hold the line. Fear not. Hold fast. Summon up the courage of the patriots. We've just begun to fight. You come up with all the cliches we know from the patriots of America. And please do not desecrate Memorial Day by coming up with a deal that looks like surrender. Uh, Peter Navarro here. Um, just as we go out, if you get a chance, PeterNavarro.substack.com, PeterNavarro.substack.com. As I mentioned, um, paid subscribers uh, will uh, get an autographed copy of uh, the Taking Back Trump's America book, which really is the MAGA blueprint uh, for winning in 2024. And every day is just another day where we dig deeper into the morass of the economy problems, the endless wars um, that we're facing. Uh, yeah, by the way, Biden, they, they don't want to cut the budget, the defense budget. Oh, big deal. A lot of that money's going to Ukraine. Okay, that's not to defend America. All right. Um, bow your head for Memorial Day and have a great weekend, America. You are in the war room. You are the posse. You are the most important folks on the ramparts in today's political wars. Stephen K. Bannon salutes you, as do I. Uh, Cameron in Denver, great job today. Um, Steve will see you in the morning. Uh, he loves that Saturday show, and you'll love it, too. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. 
Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 